none more grateful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ than this man we call the Apostle Paul. And he took advantage once he had been apprehended by Christ on the road to Damascus of every opportunity to share his story with anyone and everyone who would listen. And so I want you to take your Bibles, let's turn into the New Testament to Acts chapter 22, and we're going to see one of those opportunities that the Apostle Paul redeemed for the purpose of sharing his story, his testimony with those who would listen. In this context, Paul has concluded his third missionary journey. He has arrived in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders received Paul with open arms as well as his travel companions as they came. But in time, there was a group of non-believing Jews who stirred up a mob against the Apostle Paul. They assumed that Paul was, uh, was bringing Gentiles into the place of worship where no non-Jewish people belong. In fact, they said in verse 28 against the people and the law of this place. That's what Paul is doing. He's against our people, and he is against the law that we cherish. They made assumptions that he was defiling the temple. And then the mob was incited to great anger and mob mentality. They sought to kill Paul on the spot, but yet there was a Roman tribune that was there, a guard, that his purpose was to keep peace in that place. He heard the uproar. He followed to that uh, cry that was in the city, and he saw that Paul was at the center of the attention. He did an act of grace. He rescued Paul by arresting him. And as he arrested him, it was for the purpose we've got to make sense out of what is going on and bring calmness to the atmosphere. And so they began to carry Paul off to the barracks as he was under arrest. Paul surprised the guard when he began to speak in Greek. And he identified himself as a Jew. And when he did, he said, I want to speak to the crowd. So Paul, on his way to the barracks after being arrested asked to speak to the mob that was angry at him, to the one that wanted to kill him on the spot. And so what we see is that angry mob of, ver of chapter 21 becomes the audience to Paul's Christ story in chapter 22. So we see that, that redemption of an opportunity. Was this an ideal situation to share your personal testimony? Absolutely not. But Paul understood these are the very people that need to know the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in your Bibles, Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 1, we'll read through verse 21. And if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Online worshipers, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend as we finish up this series called Bless. Look at verse 1, chapter 22 of Acts. Brethren and fathers, Paul said, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. And then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, that is Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of the Father's law, and zealous toward God, as you all are today. 
I persecuted this way to death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened. As I journeyed and came near Damascus about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which you are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up and at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Let us pray. Father, we ask by your Spirit, now give us understanding. But beyond understanding of Paul's story, Father, give us application of truth for our life today so that we too may go boldly as your messengers and live our life as a way to be a guide that points others to Jesus. It is in his mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Like the Apostle Paul, every believer that is in worship today, every believer that we know has a story of when and how you met Jesus. We often refer to this story as our personal testimony. Just as a person may give a testimony in a courtroom to what he or she has seen and heard, you and I share a testimony about our salvation as to what we have seen and experienced in a personal way from the person Jesus Christ. Some call this story your Christ story, and I really like that terminology. Know this, that your Christ story is powerful. Doesn't matter what age you came to know Christ, 
the story of God redeeming you through the precious blood of His Son, Jesus, the one whom we call Savior, is powerful. Your story and my story needs to be told to the people around us. In fact, we are commanded to tell our story. It is a story that will indeed help other people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so as we unpack Acts chapter 21, this is one opportunity that the Apostle Paul redeemed for the purpose of sharing his Christ story to an angry mob that wanted to kill him, but he redeemed it. And the outline of Paul's testimony is one that I want us to learn from and apply to our own Christ story. So there are three main points. The first one is this, verses 1 through 5, Paul's life before Christ. Paul began his speech by addressing the people that were yelling and threatening to kill him, and he did so respectfully. The Jewish people he, he addressed as brothers and fathers. This is a mob that's calling for his life, that is threatening to kill him there on the spot, but he shows respect to them and called them brothers. You are my people, my kinsmen. You're my fathers, my elders. And then he continued to talk to them, but, but his language caught their ear because he spoke in their own tongue, spoke in their language. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I have respect for you. In fact, I am one of you, and I am speaking your language. It caught their ear. And there are three things in Paul's life before Christ that he rolls out for them to understand and know. Number one, he wanted them to know where he came from. He identified himself as a Jew. I am a Jew that is born in Tarsus. But though I was born in this Mediterranean coastal city, I spent a large part of my time in Jerusalem, and the formation of who I am today happened as a Jew born in Tarsus, but as one who grew up and, and was shaped by godly people here in this city in Jerusalem. He connects with the Jewish audience by letting them know, I'm one of you. Anytime we seek to share our story, we look for connecting points. We want to be able to connect in conversation. And Paul knew those who were shouting for his life needed to understand he's one of them. He's one of their kinsmen, and he, he needed to identify. Second thing he did, he said, you need to know what my education is, who I learned under. Paul said under the instruction of Gamaliel, one of the most prominent Jewish teachers of the day. In fact, he said, I was taught according to the strictness of our father's law. And so that gained respect. And at the moment that Paul's education was one of the greatest education that any Jew could have under the feet of one of their great educators. And, and so he is saying to them, like you, I take the law seriously. I don't discount the Jewish law. Third, he said, we, this is what my life as a Jew was. As an educated Jew, as one who grew up in Jerusalem, born in Tarsus, I sought to persecute this group of people called the Way, followers of Christ, Christians. I deemed them a threat to our religion. I deemed them a threat to our movement. And so I did everything that I could to stamp out the movement, to imprison and to approve of death. And if he had stopped at that point in his testimony, 
Paul would have immediately been a hometown hero. I am one of you. I speak your language. I grew up like you. And I hated people called Christians and followers of the way. But that's his life before Christ. Hang on to that. We need to learn to tell our Christ story by sharing briefly what our life before Christ was like. For some, they, you find it, may find it more difficult because you came to know Jesus as a, at an early age as a child. And, and your life was fairly simple as a child. And, and I want to encourage you, know that that part of your testimony is just as powerful as anybody else's testimony. You don't have to live a life for years in sinful rebellion in order for a testimony to be powerful. Lean into that childhood faith. Lean into that nurture at an early age by parents or by a church family that allowed you to receive Christ. And lean into the fact that maybe you were saved from a lot of the regrets and sinful rebellion of others. And so my journey with the Lord Jesus Christ began when I was nine years old. But even at nine, I had a drug problem. I'm a PK, preacher's kid. I was drugged to church. Every time the doors were open. And so I can get people on that little hook right there that I had a drug problem. But seriously, here's my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home who loved God to where spiritual conversations happened often. I was shared at an early age about how God loved me. And, and I, I was told at an early age about my need for a Savior. And so as I grew up in that nurturing environment, there came a day when I was nine years old and our church had a revival service that a good old gospel preacher was preaching about the horror of hell and the happiness of heaven. And at nine, I knew enough to know that, number one, I was a sinner. Number two, my sin separated me from God. And number three, I don't want to go to hell. And so that's my life before Christ. Kind of simple, but that's it. That's mine. Your story, your Christ story is powerful and authentic because it's yours. You don't share my story with power. You share your story with that power because it's your Christ story. Number two, we see Paul change gears. Beginning with verse 6 and going through verse 16, Paul shares his encounter with Christ. His encounter with Christ. He expounded upon what we read first in the Bible in Acts chapter 9. You might want to write that down. Acts 9 is Paul's conversion experience as he was headed to Damascus with official letters and authority to apprehend, arrest any follower of the way, any Christian, and bring them back in prison to Jerusalem to punish them. And so as Paul was on his way to Damascus, he was apprehended by the resurrected glorified Christ. Verse 6 says, He was blinded by a bright light. And he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul notes that those within him saw the light but didn't understand the voice like he did. He heard that personal call. Here's what happened. Paul met the resurrected, glorified Christ on the road to Damascus and it changed everything about his life. Here's the reality. When you and I meet Jesus Christ and we surrender to him as Savior and Lord, he changes everything about our life, about our present and about our future. The light blinding Paul. It's no accident of the wording that is recorded in Acts. It happened about noon. 
on a sunny day, when do we see the glory of the sun the most? Around noon. It is high noon. It is a bright day. But here's what he's saying. The glory of the resurrected Christ outshone the sun. It was more radiant. It was more glorious. It was brighter, and it was blinding to him, and he fell on his face as he heard God speak. Paul's, uh, Paul includes in his testimony who Jesus is, who was speaking to him. Jewish audience needed to understand this was Jesus of Nazareth who was speaking to him. That's the Christ. That's the Messiah. That's the one they missed. That's the one they crucified. This truth, when Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Hey, church, we need to hear this. Anytime you persecute members of the body of Christ, children of God, you persecute the head of the church, Christ. What did, what did Jesus ask him? Why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting people and dragging them into prison. And so it is an important and powerful lesson for we as the body of Christ who are commissioned to love one another as we have been loved. And it's by that love others will know that we are his disciples by the way that we choose to love one another. And so Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Anytime we speak harshly or rudely or critically of another child of God, a son or daughter of God, we are attacking Christ, the head of the church. Before we post on social media, maybe we need to pray about that. But we have wonderful opportunity not to do as the world does in attacking individuals, but to represent Christ well face-to-face and behind the keyboard on social media. Here is an opportunity in our culture for the body of Christ to be a bright, shining light for the glory of God. Paul understood, you attack my people, you attack me. Our Savior hadn't changed. He's still the same God. You attack my child, you're attacking me. And our Savior takes that very personally. Jesus didn't execute Paul on the road to Damascus. Aren't you glad? Rather, he saved him. He turned that terrorist into an evangelist, and that is God's amazing grace. What did Paul deserve? Death and hell. What do we deserve? Death and hell. But Paul goes on and he shares, My encounter with Christ not only included Jesus front and center, the resurrected, glorified Christ, but he appointed a man named Ananias. And I love Ananias, a devout Jew. When he was commissioned to tell the apostle Paul to receive his sight and share with him about the gospel mission he was to undertake, Ananias said, wait a minute, God, I think, I think you've got the wrong address. You know who Paul is, right? You, you know his reputation. He is harsh. He imprisons. He stood watching Stephen be stoned and gave consent to it. God, you're sending me to him? He doesn't deserve this salvation. He may have been a devout Jew, but he was fleshly enough, I think, to say, God, are you sending me into persecution? But God assured Ananias, no, this is what I need you to do. He went to Paul. Paul, received your sight. But he also said, the God of our fathers, not Ananias, but God has said, he has chosen you that you should know his will, that you should see the just one, and that you should hear from his voice. And then 
what you see, what you hear, you go and tell to all those around you what you have seen and what you have heard and what you have experienced. Then look at verse 16. This one's often taken out of context. It says, and now, why are you waiting? Hey, you've met Jesus. Now arise and be baptized. What is baptism? It's the public identification of us being a changed individual by that regeneration inside of us. It is an outward expression of what Jesus has already done inside in cleansing us and saving us. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Paul, identify publicly with Jesus. Some people manipulate this passage to say that baptism is required for salvation. That's not what this text is teaching. That's not what the New Testament teaches about our salvation. And so just understand, when Paul said, arise and be baptized, what are you waiting for? When he heard that, he was identifying with Christ after he had been born again. Like Paul, God desires you and me to demonstrate that transforming power of the gospel through baptism and sharing our Christ story. So, how did you come to know Jesus? Paul shared with us his encounter with Christ. How did you come to know Christ? Sharing your story, not just life before, and we're not to glory about any bad things that we did, we're just really to set the stage about how badly we as sinners needed a Savior. But then how did I meet Christ? It, it might be, who told you about Jesus? It might be what circumstances were going on in your life that gave you a, an open mind and an open ear to hear the gospel. It, it might be what caused you to respond when you respond to that salvation invitation. For me, I told you, it was during an invitation at a revival service. When the preacher was preaching on hell and heaven. But it also included a mama who had prayed for me since I had been conceived. A mother with an attentive eye and a compassionate heart that had her eye on a son on a front row of a revival service. And a mom who saw the tears and a mom who felt that conviction upon her son. And that when I looked up from praying, mom was in my face saying, are you ready to talk? Yes, ma'am, I'm ready to talk. A mom who knew how to escort me out of the worship center into a Sunday school class and set that old folding metal chair over an air-conditioned vent. It's kind of chilly, but over that vent. And she began to explain to me again, you know God loves you. And you know God desires a relationship with you. But you also understand that you have sin in your life. And that sin separates you from God. And God does not want you to be separated. And remember John 3.16, it just tells us how much God does love us and that he gave his son. And you remember what Jesus did for you in demonstrating God's love, that he died on a cross, not because he was guilty, because he took your place. And the blood that he shed was enough. It was, it was satisfactory to satisfy the wrath of a holy God. So Jesus paid your price. He died your death. And a mom who just said, if you will acknowledge that you have sin in your life, if you desire to turn from your sin and put your trust at nine years old in Jesus Christ to forgive you, then you can be saved. And mom led me in a prayer. There's not a magic prayer to be saved. There's a biblical prayer. And, and it's not raise your hand and repeat after me and you're automatically saved. No, God sees the heart. 
and there has to be repentance in the heart and a desire to put trust in Jesus. I just prayed a simple prayer. I don't know exactly what the words were. It went something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on the cross on my behalf. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and be my Savior. Thank you, dear Jesus, for saving me. What about your encounter with Christ? Who was instrumental in you coming to know Christ? How did you come to know Christ? Part of our Christ story is helping others understand how they too can respond in faith, repentance and faith, and come to know Christ. And so include in your Christ story how you came to know Jesus and include some helpful, tangible, biblical steps that are required for them to come to know Jesus. Confession, repentance, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, he doesn't stop there. He keeps on plowing Paul's life after Christ. Verses 17 through 21. Since he arrived in the city of Jerusalem, they had witnessed this Paul, the preacher, fearlessly proclaiming faith that he once tried to destroy. It was shocking to them. Paul, the persecutor, saw the persecutor, became Paul, the preacher. A change in his life. Paul understood in verses 17 through 21 what the vision, what he heard in his trance, in his vision. Hey, you need to get out of Jerusalem because they're not going to accept you. He said, I get it. These are the same people and families that I was persecuting. Maybe I took some of their family members and locked them up. Maybe I mistreated them. And so God had a play in verse 21. He said, depart quickly. And I'm going to take you far from here. But Paul, here's your mission. You're going to the Gentiles. You're going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so this was Paul's life after his salvation and encounter. He didn't stay in Jerusalem with all the Jews. God sent him to the foreign mission field to take the gospel to the Gentiles, of which we are very, very grateful for that, right? So Paul's life after Christ, he changed. For me, I was terrified of going to hell. But after I prayed to receive Jesus Christ and understood God's promise of salvation, I could have the assurance that whenever I die, I have a home in heaven that is is saved, that is secured by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my eternal home. So I didn't have to fear that. Maybe, maybe the after for many of you, there's some testimonies that I've heard. I was just an angry person. I was miserable and everybody around me was miserable. I was lost. And I had a lot of anger. But when Jesus came in, he gave me peace. And I wasn't nearly as miserable to be around as I used to be. Maybe as I was just burdened with guilt and guilt of my failure and guilt of my sin. But when I met Jesus, there came that peace and assurance that my sin had been forgiven. And the guilt had been removed. And I'm condemned no more in Christ. It may be people who say, you know, my life was just, I was consumed with fear and anxiety. And I couldn't hold up. I reached a breaking point and I I couldn't hold up anymore. But when I met Jesus, there became peace in my life. And receiving God's love enabled me to be more loving toward the people around me. What's your after you met Christ? Because when Jesus enters in, things change. 
And the Apostle Paul used an opportunity, not really ideal, to say, hey, here's who I am, and this was my life before Christ. Here's how I encountered Jesus, and now here's my life afterwards. And that presented the Christ story that also lets others know, if God could save a sinner like me, he can certainly save you. And that's the power of us sharing our Christ story, that there are others that need to hear it, and your story is a powerful story. Now, the last five weeks, five-week sermon series in May, we've talked about bless. But bless is not meant to be just a neat little five-week sermon series tied in a bow and that's it and forget about it. Bless is intended to introduce to you and to me, be reminded of blessed practices as we live out our life, where we live, where we work, where we learn, and where we hang out, wherever we go. And we've talked about beginning with prayer, so I'm asking again today, are you praying for those that you know in your circle of influence who need Jesus? Begin with prayer. Engage them. Listen to their story. And when we're listening, then listen. Talk little. Listen a lot. Learn who they are. What's their story? And then eat a meal with them. That's that invitation into a personal environment where walls come down, barriers come down, and life conversations begin to happen. It could be over a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be a meal. It could be at the park, at the community center. It doesn't have to be a meal. It could be snacks as your kids are playing. Just an invitation to sit down, listen, get to know. Serve them in some way. Just bless them. Let them know you're listening. It may be serving them by praying specifically for them about needs in their life. And then today, share your story with them. Here's my question. When's the last time that you shared your story with anyone? Let me just encourage you, if you've never shared it with your spouse, that's a good place to start. If we as parents have never shared our Christ story with our children, that's a good place to start. Because we're not going to be really good at sharing our story with those out there. Or how would it look with our family if they really hadn't heard our story? And so begin where you are and share your story. But then be like Paul. Redeem some opportunities as we go. So these blessed practices are meant to be attitudes that we embrace in lifelong, uh, as long as we have life here on earth. It's part of how we live out our faith to be a blessing, to love our neighbors as God has called us to do it. I really believe here's a challenge that I want to place so that we want to move it forward and not just be a sermon series that you forget about. What would it look like if by the year end of, year of December 2022 that God's people called Liberty Baptist Church got serious about having gospel conversations? spiritual conversations. What would it look like if we could say, hey, there were a thousand spiritual conversations that the people called Liberty Baptist were intentional to have this year? Let me define that a little bit more. Spiritual conversation, if you have a conversation about God, that's spiritual. Conversation about prayer and praying with somebody, that's spiritual. 
a conversation about church, even inviting them in. That's a spiritual conversation. But we want that conversation always to be going toward that gospel narrative. My life before Christ, how I encountered Christ, and my life after Christ. So what would it be like if by the end of this year that we really walked in faith and and strove to live in obedience to, to be able to say, hey, I've had some spiritual conversations. Would we see people professing their faith in baptism like Paul? I think so. Will we see some disciple-making relationships of where y'all meet regularly and with someone you didn't previously meet with in order to help them grow in their faith? I think so. Would you have new members to your life group and would Liberty Baptist Church have new members in our congregation? I think so. So wouldn't it be good to celebrate spiritual conversations that lead to gospel transformation in our community and you being a part of what God's doing? Hey, this is not what I know. Joy comes when we experience God working in me and through me to bless somebody else. When that happens, there's a joy that develops in you. So we want to lean in and encourage you to be intentional as the summer begins and as we live out our faith. And here's how we're going to help you. Any life group leaders in here, adult life group leaders, student life group leaders? So I'm going to challenge the life group leaders, and Matt's going to challenge the life group leaders, all right? Every Sunday, we want this to be a question. Any spiritual conversations? You don't have to share details. You don't have to share anything personal other than, you know what? God blessed me. This morning, God blessed me at a gas pump in our, in our town to circle up with some guys that I normally just wave at. I see on Sunday morning getting coffee and getting gas, but we circled up, and we had a conversation, and church came up. Huh? Because they know who I am, where you headed. Sometimes it's on Sunday morning, it's, hey, what you preaching this morning? Spiritual conversation. Take advantage, redeem opportunities, be attentive to possibilities that God gives you and me. And so, life group leaders, I want you and I to have fresh stories of just overflowing. Hey, had a conversation this way, it's pretty cool. It led to me being able to pray for a friend who was hurting. It is contagious. And so we as leaders want to be that kind of people. You as children of God are commissioned to be that kind of people. And I pray that we get excited in our life groups and our worship time when we get to celebrate how God works in you and through you to have spiritual conversations with those around you. In a moment, we're going to transition into a time of decision. And it's a time to prepare our hearts. Number one, will you be willing to say to the Lord today, I want to be a blessing. I want to love my neighbors. I want to have spiritual conversations. God, I confess, I've not been that messenger going boldly. I've not lived it intentionally. I've not been really good as being a guide who shows the way. I probably haven't been really good as a friend who loves others. Maybe pretty self-focused and a helper who gives generously. Eh, Probably not a whole lot. So, Father, help me to be that student who's living out my faith, living change differently, and help me to be that child who knows God and let others around me know that I know you. However you you pray, I just ask that, is it time to just say, Lord, help me this summer, today, this weekend, be a blessing to somebody around me. There's great joy when we go there.
encourage you to do that. Use this time of decision to say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to be right here at the front to receive anybody that has special need in prayer. You want me to pray with you, be glad to do that. Maybe you, like Paul, says, hey, I've waited long enough. I'm a born-again believer, and I want to be baptized and identify with Christ. Maybe it's, hey, I've joined the church. I just want people to know that I've connected. I'm in. I'm on mission. I love it. The altar is here. It may just be come kneel and just say, Lord, I offer my life to you, a living sacrifice to be a blessing and love my neighbors. It's a fresh commitment. Right after the invitation, we're going to go into the Lord's Supper. You have those Lord's Supper packets. That's the way we're going to end. And use this time to prepare your heart. We dare not come before the Lord's table casually or carelessly. The story that we're going to celebrate in communion is Christ's story in us. It's the gospel story. It's the love of God for us. It's the gift of salvation. It's the life change that we know and have experienced. And we want to honor God through it. But we want to be motivated as we stand to go and proclaim that same gospel with the Christ story outworking through us. I'm going to pray. Our worship team is going to come. Offer yourself, Lord, I want to be a blessing. But also, Lord, prepare my heart as we get ready to celebrate the gift of salvation. Let's pray. Father, take your word, take Paul's example. Father, apply it to our life. I'm sure individually we all know where we need to do better. Father, help us to have eyes to see the people around us on a daily basis. For some, schedules are changing. Those people are going to be different. And what a grand opportunity to be intentional this summer, to build a relationship with someone we really don't know. But to take advantage of opportunities just to be a blessing and share your love with our neighbors. I pray, Father, that the fruit of that obedience will be people coming to know Jesus. Discipleship relationships being established. People who are hurting and feel isolated, Father, they might have someone to live life with and to spur them on, to press on and keep their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. And Father, by your Spirit, will you examine our hearts, prepare them, for worship at your table that is a high and holy place. To be able to celebrate the gift of salvation and your great love with which you've loved us. So Father, help us present ourselves to you and surrender. And Father, commit ourselves to be obedient as we go. And to be cleansed so that we can celebrate your great salvation in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. We are so glad you're here. We would love to know more about you, to connect you to Liberty, and to tell you all that we have going on in this season. If you would like to know more, you can text the word NEXT to 205-236-3717. Please let us know how we can pray for you, and we are excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week.